professional football is a tough life and it is a tough balance. There are games that come week in and week out and you don't get off days during the season. You have long hours that you have to work and many times it is the family that suffers. You miss the time that, that you're not able to spend with your family the way my dad did. Welcome back to the Quiet Strength Radio Special, presented by Tyndale and based on the new book, Quiet Strength, the principles, practices, and priorities of a winning life with Tony Dungy, coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We pick up the conversation with Chris Fabry and Tony Dungy from the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. Let's go from that then to the low point of your life as a dad, and that is losing James, who was was he 19, I believe, when he died? Coming up on 19, yeah. yeah. Here you are, a quote-unquote success with the Colts. You had had your ups and downs in coaching in the NFL. Could there be, and I've heard other people say this, there is no further down than you can get than that. No, I think anytime you lose a loved one, it's always tough. And I had lost my parents earlier. I remember talking to one of our players in Tampa, Trent Dilfer, who uh, lost his five-year-old son and saying that as tough of things as we've gone through, I just don't think I could go through that. And Trent's reaction was something that I ended up learning what he meant when he said, uh, well, you could if you had to, because God would give you the ability to get through it. And uh, that's what happens. That's the only way you can explain it. And I'd had conversations with so many of our players uh, when they had lost relatives, parents, siblings. And you say, hey, God's going to be there for you. You have to look forward, move ahead, and really be an example for everyone else. So uh, when it happened to us, I had to really take those words into account and try to live the same words that I said. Were you on autopilot then for X number of days or weeks after that? It's always a shock, uh, especially when it's not expected. And what you have to do is try to focus in on, you know, what is God trying to teach us with this? What does he want us to do? Where is he sending us? And that's what I've tried to do with every disappointment that I've had in life, to not focus on why did this happen to me, but where's the Lord taking me with this? And that's what our family tried to do is to look forward. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult, but that was, that was our kind of rallying cry to try to look forward. It colors everything, I think, for you. And as I was watching the Super Bowl and I saw the look on your face, the look on the face of the players, you know, you've gotten to the pinnacle, the ultimate sports victory you've gotten there. And still, as I was watching it and looking at my own kids, I'm thinking there's still a hole in his heart there because his son can't experience this with him. As those moments were winding down and we knew we were going to win that Super Bowl game, I, I did. I thought about a lot of things. Uh, I thought about my parents who I wished they could have been there. They had watched all my games for so long, for 40-some years, and uh, it would have been great to share it with them, uh, with my son as well. But what it, it made me think that you're just a product of everything that happens and every experience that, that God brings. So that was part of the journey. And some parts of the journey are more pleasant than others, but they all go into making the journey special. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I looked at it and the way I approached it. And we had a lot of other people in the same, really, circumstances that would have loved to have shared it with different people. 
Yeah. You have been a help, though, in the months after that, year and a half or so after that, for other parents who have had teen suicide in their family. What are they saying to you? The big thing that helped me, I had so many people that called or wrote cards after my son died, and I was encouraged by that, so much so. People basically saying, hey, it's tough. Here's what happened in our family. Here's where we are now, and you can make it. So when that happened, I kind of took it on myself. If I hear about these situations or if I'm able to encourage someone else, I'm going to do that. There are a lot of tough situations with especially children. When you think of that, whether it's a car accident, whether it's an illness, when you lose a child, it, it becomes tough. But being able to just tell people, you can make it, it gets better, and if you trust the Lord, He'll see you through it. That's been my message and my form of encouragement. Talk about the crucible of the week before a game and being a dad at the same time. When you were in Kansas City, Marty Schottenheimer is famous for having these long end-of-the-night meetings and film sessions, and here you are wanting to be back with your family. How do you balance that? Professional football is a tough life, and it is a tough balance. There are games that come week in and week out, and you don't get off days during the season. You have long hours that you have to work, and as a, a family person, you're really torn because you have a job and you have your family and you want to do them both well. And many times it is the family that suffers. That's the toughest part about the season for me. I love the season. I love the idea of preparing my team and helping our players get better and developing those game plans for that coming week. But you miss the time that you're not able to spend with your family the way my dad did. My dad was at Every game I ever played, he took me to practice. He was around. If I needed some help with homework, he was there. And I, I do feel bad that I'm not there as much for my kids. But what I've had to do is show them how important they are to me, to make them feel important, to do some special things for them that maybe other dads don't get the chance to do, and then use the time when we have off season to make up for it. Fortunately, they like football, so they like coming to the games, they like coming to the office, and they know they get to do some things that their peers don't always get to do, and that, that helps out. But more than anything, I think they know that their mom and their dad really love them and appreciate them, and, and that, that's what gets us through the, those tough times during the season. One of the things I really like about the book is that you do read about the principles that you've learned over the years. You talk about the priorities of a winning life, the, how to practice that, how much God is a part of that. But you also read an awful lot of football. And one of the questions I have to ask you, because I'm always so frustrated when Peyton Manning comes up to the line and he starts, you know, he's right there under center and then he starts yelling at people and pointing there and pointing there and going back and forth. And my kids feel the same way. What's he doing, Dad? And I'd say, well, he knows what play he's got. He's just trying to fool him. Does he know when he's coming to the line what the play is going to be? No, he really doesn't. We have a little different system than, than a lot of people do, and he gets to really orchestrate the whole game and call the game at the line of scrimmage. And uh, it's fairly easy to do at home because our crowd will be quiet for him and, and let him get that communication. When we go on the road, 
everybody can hear him and the crowds uh, do their best not to let him be heard. <laughs> so we've had to develop hand signals and different forms of communication. So most of what we do uh, has a purpose. It, it really does. <laughs> it does. Now, but the, he has like three or four plays that he can choose from, basically, right? Right. That's what happens. He's got a, a speaker in his helmet, and the offensive coordinator, Tom Moore, will give him a formation, how he wants us to line up, and then he'll give him anywhere from three to six plays. And he knows through the course of the week, depending on how the defense is aligned, what play we want to run. So he has the ability to pick from any of that catalog of plays, and, and that's what makes us successful. He usually uh, picks the, the proper one. That takes a lot of faith in your quarterback to do because most coaches like, you know, this is the play and maybe one backup and that's it. Right. Most uh, coaches feel like, hey, I've had plenty of time to study. I'm going to tell him the play that has the most likelihood of succeeding in this situation and then all the quarterback has to do is execute it. But Peyton's a, a different, uh, very much like uh, the quarterbacks of old where they do a lot of studying, uh, he understands the game plan, he understands what he has confidence in, but it is. It's a, a situation where we have a lot of faith in him and, and he has faith in the coaching staff. Have you ever yelled at Peyton Manning? I don't yell too much at anybody, but uh, I, I get frustrated at times. And uh, I've tried to, when I do get frustrated as a coach, to not yell, but to be instructive. Uh, the guy that I played for, Chuck Knoll, was very much that way. I can remember coming off the field. I had just switched positions, and so everything was a learning experience for me my you first year. You went from quarterback went from to quarterback defense. to defensive back in Pittsburgh. But now I'm learning on the fly, and I'm learning in real critical situations where I have a chance to cost the team victories. And I would come off the field and make a mistake, and Coach Noel would come over and say, hey, what was your thought process? What were you thinking? What did you see? Trying to help me not make that mistake again. And I always thought that was the most effective way to coach. Uh, most of the time when you make a mistake, it's not a lack of desire or lack of uh, energy, but it's really something that you didn't know on the field. And uh, the, most of the time I try to convey that same thing. Hey, let's figure out what we did wrong. Let's correct it and get it better uh, rather than just use that emotion. I save that for the officials. You're listening to the Quiet Strength Radio Special presented by Tyndale and based on the new book, Quiet Strength, the principles, practices, and priorities of a winning life with Tony Dungy, coach of the world champion Indianapolis Colts. In Quiet Strength, you'll discover that apart from the success of Tony Dungy, even more impressive is the character and dignity he exemplifies when there are no cameras. I wouldn't mind at all because it's something that I just have trained myself not to do. I, I don't use disrespective language uh, to those guys and I think I can get my points across just as well. They know when I'm upset at a call, I can say, you know what, that call really upset me because I don't think you're right. And that's just as effective as using four-letter words or, sure. or anything else. And we'll return for a final moment with Chris Fabry and Tony Dungy as Tony talks about the only time in his career when he lost his temper at his team. That's next. Next. 